0: Alex Target has banned Matt Walsh's new book, Johnny the Walrus. Walsh's book joins a list of other books which are skeptical of the transgender ideology, including Abigail Schreier's Irreversible Damage and Deborah Sow's The End of Gender. No explanation of why Target has banned these books is forthcoming. you have any theory as to why Target might ban these books?
1: You know, Nick, uh, to be fair, Target is trying to balance out all the products they sell to be more gender inclusive, not just books, right? For example, Guy's Potato Chips will now be replaced with It Potato Chips. It Chips. Rolls off the tongue there. Uh, The Chiquita Banana Lady will now be replaced with the Non-Binary Banana Person. And the uh, Melissa and Doug Kids Toy Line will be replaced with the Melissa is Doug Kids Toy Line. And uh, the most business-savvy move yet was uh, that Target took was they, they took all of the leftover clothes from every section. And instead of having a cell rack in each, each section, they just combined all the sales into one new section that they call the uh, Cisgender Queer She Fluid He Buy Spirit Sex Non-Clothing section. <laughs> it just so, rolls right off the top. Yeah. Marketing uh. geniuses, if you ask me.
0: Non-binary banana person. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That
0: one got me. This is Swordplay. We are your hosts offering double-edged perspective on scripture. I am Nick Perez, preaching minister for the Davis Park Church of Christ in Modesto, California.
1: I'm Alex Flood, an evangelist for the Lake Phelan Church of Christ in St. Paul, Minnesota.
0: On this episode of Swordplay, we're taking a trip down memory lane...
1: That's right. We are celebrating the 100th swordplay episode. Now you may have thought that
0: 99 episodes in the making.
1: That's right. That's right. And uh, 99 uh, part one and 99 uh, part two is one episode. Okay, we recorded that in one go. That was one episode. Technical difficulties. They put a limit on how long I could put the <laughs> how long I could put the file size in for, and so we broke the limit sword play breaking limits every that's day right. so we right. had to split it up in the two episodes but that is not two episodes it is one episode so i hope you enjoyed the that 100th. sorry about the that's right today the is one... the
0: 100th yeah here we go man uh, celebration this this so this is the second podcast that i've hit triple digits with uh my previous podcast live live from the pulpit has four hundred episodes that's what it's sitting at right now. I just haven 't added anything to it because i've been doing this but uh yeah it's that's awesome,
1: yeah one hundred and these are long episodes, right and so uh yeah. this that means uh we have well over one hundred hours of in depth biblical research. I would say that we probably have at least 130 hours recorded. At least how many pages do we have for our shared cuz we we didn't script things in the beginning uh and then it got more script as we went along because we just had more information so it's like if you got more information you got to package it more efficiently and so more scripting became the standard and so when we have our Google document that we share how many page I think we broke that limit too. We broke Google we, shared oof. docs.
0: We did. Uh, we found the limit. I think it's 1.5 million words, I think, is the limit on a Google Doc. And we found that, and we surpassed it, and now we're in a second Google Doc. And I'm trying to find where are... I know I have a just a Word document um, in my... Oh, here it is. Uh, in my computer. And it's loading... Loading. Yeah.
1: The computer can't even load it fast enough, right? It doesn't just <laughs> pop up. It's like you got to give it a few minutes to load the like 400 pages that we had <laughs> of single space notes.
0: It is sitting at 324,000 words. <laughs> um I believe it, when it comes so
1: That's our current me, document, right?
0: That's right. And it doesn't even include the the 99th episode yet. I haven't updated it. Uh 204 Single space. No, here it goes. It's 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 still calculating the number of pages. <laughs> but for me, the litmus test is Stephen King. If uh, you know, we were, I think we're uh, in, in his word count per book. I think we're somewhere past like The Shining or something. <laughs> um, okay, uh, four hundred and twelve single spaced uh, pages. In a word document
1: for that first document, yeah.
0: So, woof.
1: Yep, and it's only getting more and more. Our our pages are getting more and more dense per episode. So, yeah, a lot of work we've done, a lot of work, and thanks to te- technology, uh, this work can just be out there for anybody who wants to access it with an internet connection on their phone on their computer uh, for who knows how long, right? How many commentaries are sitting in libraries collecting dust that may be peaked at once every couple of years, huh? Yeah, so, I mean, quite quite a bit, quite a bit. So this is the, uh, the way of the future. It's got to be digital. Uh, it's got to be archived on the internet. It's got to be accessible. And because of that, we've been able to reach a wider audience than we probably would have were this just a paperback commentary sitting in the in the library of a Bible school it's like well uh not as not as much usefulness in that scenario so we've got to take advantage of the technology available to us without being consumed by it but yeah Nick we have some um, trips down memory lane that we need to take right we've uh
0: we've got a, a list here of some of our favorites Various favorite things that we've, and we've done a lot of different things on the podcast, uh, and we're not even going to touch on everything. We've done uh, lightning round before, uh, which was just kind of like rapid fire question answer. Uh, We did, we've done grammar hammer this season, uh, not as consistently as uh, some of the other things that we've done, but um, uh, just taking a word and kind of providing a a dictionary definition, as it were, of, of what it is. But we've done other things much more distantly, uh, including the cold open. That's right. Uh, every episode. So the, the, the genesis of the cold open was um, Alex and I, I think we, we both listen to various podcasts. And I've listened to other podcasts, especially in the, in the Brotherhood, where the the hosts get on and they just ramble on for like 10 minutes and it's just like, like oh you know, they're they're trying to be funny and they're not funny and uh, it just ends up being goofy for like 10 15 minutes it's just like i don't i don't need to listen to this it's
1: just, too much you know too yeah much.
0: exactly yep. so we streamlined it we're like we're going we're going to punch in 30 to 60 seconds hopefully it's funny if not <laughs> oh well and we'll just and then we'll move on with introductions and so we we try to get right to the punch as quickly as possible uh, we we don't spend a lot of time, uh, you know. Hey, how's it going? And we do after hours, and so sometimes you know during the after hours we you know well what are you reading, what are you watching, what are you what are you up to, and all that. Uh, but uh, by and large, uh, and you listen to the episodes, we're fairly consistent where we we do the cold open, and it's just a little thing. It's just comedy. It's humorous. I think with this one today, we're probably going to get kicked off of Spotify just the way things are going. <laughs> On Spotify, if you've been following the Joe Rogan controversy, quote unquote. Uh, this one's pushing the limit So if you can't find it on Spotify, go over to Apple podcast go to Audible, you can find it elsewhere. Um, but and it'll be on the website. No one, I don't think they can cancel the website yet. But that was that was the genesis. Was you know we just want to get in and get to work, and if we can be funny along the way, great. Um, if not. Oh well, it was only like a minute, so
1: you know what the key is? The key is to stay as unpopular as possible. Yeah. So if you're popular, you'll you'll get canceled. But if you're unpopular, uh you just gotta keep those download numbers low. You gotta keep those listens low. And then you're under the radar. That's so right. So that's that's how we that's how we promote the success of sword plays. We keep it under the radar.
0: So we dug back into the archives. And we said, well what what's our favorite cold open?" And it's not only our favorite we've gotten feedback from other folks, listeners, diligent listeners who have uh, been listening to the podcast, and they've given us feedback on this particular cold open that I think is not only our favorite but a, a favorite of um, uh, the audience so
1: that's right so we're gonna do a cold open i believe this is from uh season was it two i think it's season two episode uh number 52 season two episode 52 we really had some uh we really had some good ones there in the 50s we were hitting our stride there yeah Uh, so season two episode 52 here's the cold open uh maybe you remember it here it goes
0: Time for swordplay, Alex. Last week, the American Humanist Association, an atheist outfit, presented oh, excuse me—protested what they called an unconstitutional prayer breakfast at a high
1: school in Georgia. Man, Nick, these atheists are not messing around. You know what? I heard that in preparation for the protest, they gathered together on a weekly basis, and then after you know sharing a meal together, they would have a keynote speaker who spoke to their values and encouraged them to keep working at the end of their meetings they would each donate some money as they were able to continue to cover the cost of their operation and as they uh, departed and wished each other well and shared resources for combating religion they always ended their meetings by declaring how evil organized religion is and how they must continue to oppose anything that resembles it (laughs)
0: <laughs> this is swordplay. We are your hosts. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's funny because it's true, and because it's uh, yeah, that's that's the atheist church, right? That's
1: that's right. It's not organized. It's not religious. They don't have tenants, and they don't disfellowship one another, right? as long as you stick to the script
0: (laughs) and, and, you know, uh, part so there is a, a bit of reality in that where, uh, atheists who, uh, have abandoned religion, they still need the connection that the, that comes from, from fellowship and the sharing of common objects. It's just the, 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 the common objects that they rally around are, uh, they're, they're destructive, uh, they they uh tear away at the soul and so uh, th- there is that that again every in every joke there's a bit of truth i guess and and part of the truth is atheists still crave that and and they'll go to uh certain limits maybe not as uh far as the punchline goes there but they do gather together uh in certain uh gatherings and uh it's uh yeah it's uh one of those things.
1: Yeah. Funny, funny thing is I have met an atheist who does all the things that I said in the joke. (laughs) Oh, matter of fact. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So it happens. I think what it reveals is, uh, uh, the same thing that we see, I think with a cancel culture today is that at the core of humanity, uh, we are religious, we are religious. And so, um, those who disdain religion they are nevertheless uh religious and right now uh cancel culture is just simply the uh disfellowshipping of those not in line with their creed and that's all it is Mm -hmm. so the 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 bishops in charge overseeing their particular religion just happen to own the platforms that everybody uses for sharing uh discussion and moderation so whether it's uh one social media uh platform or another uh they are the bishops that uh take the complaints of their constituents and uh disfellowship those who are disrupting the community that's why they have their community rules right and uh what's what qualifies as disrupting well it, just check it with the creed and see if they're they're in line with the creed or not are they out of line with the creed canceled disfellowshipped Humans are religious. Can't get around it, and they worship things. Can't get around that either. So, cold open. I think uh, were we did we used to be funnier. I th-
0: I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so.
1: Because when was that? It was season season two, right? So that was uh, was that pre pandemic. Did the uh, pandemic steal our funny? Did it ruin? Was that a uh, side effect of COVID? Yeah. destroys the funny bone
0: was that wait i think that was way back in september of 2019 so it may be that the the pandemic yeah. has uh
1: yeah jaded us so before the pandemic we were at the height of our of our comedy yes, sir. look at us now <laughs> jaded bitter not tan <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the every episode has a cold open we've been really consistent on that um and then in uh season 2 we also did another segment. That's right. That we called and we were we were consistent on that for most of the season until I broke the segment and uh, just wrecked one minute sermon. That's what we that's what we called it where it was, it was just a game that we played at the end of uh, the the episode, something light and um I would have a song title of a, maybe a popular or contemporary uh, song, and Alex would have one that he had selected too. We didn't tell each other what it was, and then we sprung it there right before uh, we we uh, started the clock, where we had one minute to take that song title and turn it into a sermon, a one-minute sermon. And uh, it had hilarious results, especially <laughs> in episode 54. When Alex gave me the song title "Dance Monkey,"
1: that's right. And Nick, wow! I think let's just go back. Let's let's go back and and, and listen to this this uh, legendary moment in swordplay. Uh, okay, Nick, are you ready for yours? Ready as I'll ever be. <clears throat> Good news, Nick. This song is uh, number one on the worldwide. Uh, top charts and it has been for a little while now so you've probably heard it it's by tones and i an australian artist never heard of and it and the uh <laughs> the band is tones and i and the song is mm-hmm. called dance monkey dance monkey so the the chorus goes dance for me dance for me dance for me oh, oh. i've never seen anybody do the things you do before they say move for me move for me move for me (laughs) and when you're done make you do it all again tones and i dance monkey uh one minute sermon and uh go i suppose
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah luke 15 it's got to be there for me um the prodigal son, he goes away to the far country with uh, a third, because that's the way they split up the inheritance of his father's wealth, squanders it, ends up feeding pigs, doing a pig sty. That's a terrible thing. Comes back, though, comes to a census, comes home, and his father welcomes him. They kill the fatted calf, throws robes, rings, shoes, all that stuff back on him. The older son is out in the field, and he hears music and dancing. The father has become a dance monkey for his son who's come home (laughs) and uh, he's thrown this party for the sinner who's come home. How do we respond when sinners come back to the father's house? And I think we ought to be dance monkeys when when sinners come back home to the father's house lest we be like the older brother out in the field.
1: (laughs) Oh, you can have an extra minute if you want to keep going. I'm cool it's with that. It's all right. I see how many times I can fit dance monkey in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, that's going to do that's it. That's great. <laughs> this episode of
1: Swordplay. You win. I can't do any more one-minute sermons. You just win. You win them all. <laughs> You're the winner. I bow. I bow to the king of preachers over here. <laughs> <clears throat> oh
0: okay <laughs> thanks for tuning in
1: yeah we'll see ya <laughs> <laughs> see you next time on another episode of uh... wow the, yeah
0: the, the time I broke one minute sermon
1: it's good every time every time dance monkey man that's the I need to see I need to hear a whole sermon on that that needs to be extended into like a full thirty minute Sunday morning from the pulpit, culturally relevant sermon.
0: Yeah, man. that was a that was a Holy Spirit moment to take me to Luke fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: oh man, those are good. Yeah, no, you won that competition. That was that was the best. Those are one minute sermons, man, that's hard. I can laugh for a minute, but. Uh, <laughs> Man, Especially coming up with a, a whole, monkey a whole s- dance monkey sermon for for one minute, man, and it was good too. It was good. We should be dance monkeys. That's right. We should uh, be. So
0: the the we we just uh, took our we we took a trip to to Lubbock for the Sunset Vision workshop, and uh, I had my playlist uh, ready, and we listened. We had, had like seven or eight hours of music. <clears throat> queued up. All the all the classics, some of the contemporary stuff, just stuff that I like. But once that ran out, because <laughs> it was like a 22-hour drive one way, um, I had satellite radio on, and they now have a station called the Ten Spot, which is all of the popular hits from the 2010s, and I just so happened to land on it while it was playing Dance Monkey, and that was the first time I'd ever heard the song. <laughs> it was just this last month. So... I would not heard the song before that, except as uh, the, the flood rendition there, the remix. And, uh, so yeah, I heard it for the first time last month.
1: You mean the karaoke version that sounded just like the original. That's right. That's what you meant. Right. My bad. I misspoke. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had another segment in, um, well, this was season three, right? So, yeah. so, uh, the best cold open was season two, episode 16. The best one-minute sermon then, Dance Monkey, was Season 2, Episode 18. And uh, then in Season 3, we did a segment at the end called The Featured Creature. And it was almost, um, you know, sometimes almost like a second sermon in there, right? Sneaking it in during the closing prayer. And uh, so we did all of these strange creatures mentioned in our Bibles. And, uh, you know, there are different approaches, approaches you can take to that but uh they're there right so what do you do with these weird creatures what are they and what did the ancient person think about these creatures and uh, some of these people have never heard of before and some of them are things that are deeply ingrained into the culture and so we did one on uh nick you picked this out as one of your favorites we did one on lucifer and who is lucifer so Thought we'd take a trip down memory lane and, and listen back to our featured creature, Lucifer. I like all the featured creatures, so this one, to me, is uh, just as good as any other. So here we go. Featured creature, best featured creature, Lucifer. We uh, like to end with our featured creature. Featured creature. And this week's featured creature is Lucifer. Nick, why don't you tell us about Lucifer. The only place the name
0: Lucifer appears in the Bible is in Isaiah 14 and verse 12. The only translation which is translated as Lucifer is the King James Version. Uh, And their translation was much more influenced by Latin grammar than by Hebrew or Greek grammar, by the way. Uh, And that's the case here. My Latin Vulgate reads, uh, well, so Latin would be uh, Lucifer. Uh, And that is the translation... Uh, for the Hebrew term uh which is translated in my English standard as O Day Star. This is what is called a Hapax Legomenon. Uh, in other words, this is the only appearance of this term in the Hebrew Bible. The Septuagint has translated it Dawn Bringer, and that's a good approximation of the Hebrew, which means Shining One or Morning Star and looking at the context if you back off and look at isaiah 13 and 14 they are a unit that contain an oracle against babylon it starts in 13 1, an oracle concerning babylon and then isaiah 14 begins with the promise of the restoration of israel verses 1 and 2 but for this to happen the king of babylon needs to be removed and so begins this oracle the oracle this taunt against the king of Babylon in verse 3. And the bulk of Isaiah 14 is about the impending judgment coming upon the king of Babylon. The tyranny of this oppressive ruler will come to an end as described in verses 4 through 8. And that happens when his physical life is ended and he is sent to the grave and Sheol. Uh, verses 9 through 11. And so from the heights of his arrogance, he is laid low, verses 12 through 15. And this is poetically portrayed as his being cast down from heaven to the depths of Sheol. Doesn't get much bigger in its fall than that. So (laughs) he who would attempt to be God's equal is shown for being the feeble creature he really is. Therefore, Day star's light is snuffed out in the far reaches of the pit, as it is styled in verse 15. Now, many see behind this uh, oracle against the king of Babylon. Uh, Behind this story is another story, as old as time, and it is the fall of Satan uh, at some point in, I guess, eternity past is kind of the way uh, I think about it. So what is poetically portrayed in this taunt acts with double meaning, Or even typologically. Satan is this archetype in the spiritual realm of all human rulers who become swollen with pride. And his his sin was conceit, uh, as we see over in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. Jesus tells us he did fall from heaven. I saw Satan fall like lightning, Luke 10 and verse 18 says. So the king of Babylon, swollen with pride, fits the typological mold established by Satan's fall from heaven. The once glorious being, Satan, is cast out of heaven for attempting to make himself equal with God. And so he who would attempt to be God's equal is shown for being the feeble creature he really is. In which case... Day star acts both as a figure for the king of Babylon as well as the devil. The star that once was brightest is now extinguished. And that connection, I I think it's it's possible. Some work uh, has been done in seeing connections uh, intertextually in Isaiah. Uh, uh, Before I get to that, though, uh, there is a connection that some make to a Canaanite myth concerning Halal, uh, son of Shekhar, a minor god, he attempted to overthrow Zaphon, the mountain of assembly for the gods. He was rebuffed. He was cast into Sheol. And while the connections are alluring, I prefer to see those intertextual connections in Isaiah with Sinatra, king of Babylon. Uh, Sinatra gloated that he had gone up to the heights of the mountains, to the far recesses of Lebanon in 37 and verse Twenty-four, And that can be paralleled with Isaiah 14 and verse 13, the, the mountains that uh, Sinatra claims to have scaled. That can be paralleled with the Mount of Assembly. Maybe one of them was the Mount of Assembly in his own mind. And then uh, Lebanon, uh, the far recesses of Lebanon. Well, for Isaiah, who is an Israelite living in Israel, what would have been north of Israel. It would have been Lebanon. And so Sinatra claims uh, he, he's gloating and boasting about how he went there as well. Uh, so that's the parallel there, Le- Lebanon with the north. Sinatra raised his voice and eyes against the Holy One of Israel, Thirty-seven twenty-three says. It was an attempt to make himself like the Most High, perhaps, Isaiah 14, verse 14. The morning star who makes the world like a desert in 14 and verse 17 can be paralleled with Sinatraib, who boasts of having dug, drank, and dried up the streams of Egypt in 37 and verse 25. Other examples could be cited, but I believe these are sufficient to show that the morning star of Isaiah 14 is readily identified with Sinatra in Isaiah 37. But wait, someone might say, Sinatra, I thought he was king of Assyria. And that's true. But he, like other kings of Assyria, uh, would and did call himself king of Babylon, and indeed Babylon was under the rule of Assyria uh, for a time. So uh, that's what I see here concerning Lucifer. Alex, what did you find?
1: Yeah, so I I like what you said about uh, there are sometimes a story within a story, and that's probably what we're looking at here in Isaiah 14. Lucifer is one of the many names slash attributes associated with the satan sometimes we usually just say satan but uh it's it's technically it's the satan the asatana yeah so yet um how did this association occur right this is this is interesting there's no explicit connection that says lucifer is satan and yet that's the case but how do we make that case what's the connection you noted uh, Jesus referring to Satan falling from heaven like lightning so you do do have a falling connection right there I think that's a good connection here is some connective tissue that I'll throw out there for consideration Uh, because you know we could speak about Satan for quite some time and so I'll, I'll try to limit it to what makes Lucifer relevant to our talk about Satan so first you have to remember that Stars in the ancient Near East uh, and in the Bible are living creatures. Uh, Sometimes they're called gods, and they also represent authority. The morning star or daybringer was a reference to the planet Venus, because back then planets were called wandering stars. The image of a wandering star as opposed to a fixed star within a constellation that became good imagery for speaking about rebellious beings in the heavenly realms. Of course, you can apply that to earthly authorities. You know the story within the story. But back to the heavenly imagery. How did this bright, glorious star? Uh, because that's what brightness was was referred to. It was uh, it was the glory of the star, the brightness of the star. Uh, and Venus was a very bright star. Venus was the brightest star at sunrise. It was the brightest star at sunset, therefore earning the title of morning star or evening star, respectively. So the brightness of a star was thought of in terms of its glory. Uh, and so how did this bright, glorious star, whose glory must have corresponded then to its authority and its position? how did it become a wandering star? Well, through rebellion, through pride, trying to take over the north. And so here's the thing, in terms of stars, because uh, I believe in the passage it says you want to ascend the mount of the assembly. Uh, well, the mount of the assembly is, uh, uh, what is that? It's, it's Har Moed, which is, is probably actually the reference to Har Megiddo, uh, Har Mageddon in the book of Revelation. But I digress, anyway, Har Moed, he says, is above the stars. Well, what's, what's the north in the stars in terms of astrology? Well, in terms of stars, the north star is Polaris. And from our perspective, as we look up at the stars in the night sky, all of the constellations look like they are circling around Polaris. They're circling in a counterclockwise position. So Polaris stays in the same place. It's the North Star. And it seems that uh, in this story within a story, Venus wanted to be the center of the constellations, but instead was cast down. This is the story of Lucifer, who then gets associated with the supernatural rebel, the Satan. Well, if the dawn bringer fell, then who will fill the seat of authority he once held? And I say, that's probably us. There are references to the Christian being given the morning star, that's 2 Peter 1.19, Revelation 2.28, Jesus has it in Revelation 22.16 jesus now has all authority in heaven and on earth matthew 28 18 he will give us that authority too and thus he brings us in the resurrection into our reward of reigning and ruling with him that's why it says he gives us the bright morning star it's that position of authority that transformation into a bright and glorious being uh, in the new heaven and new earth so remember When you hear about the latest Hollywood star or watch Dancing with the stars, the only true stars are the ones made by Jesus, and the rest are all fallen and or imposters.
0: So that was uh, the the featured creature uh, for that uh, episode, uh, which was uh, season Season three. three.
1: Episode, episode 15, 15, fifteen, right? Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, um, and so that's helpful on a, on a couple different uh, levels. Number one, um, it I think it helps with the uh, what do I want to say here? The, tra- the translation. That's what it is. Translation. Uh, various translations. King James is the uh, version that has retained that, and I explained why. And 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 then to see well why have newer translations kind of taken a different course uh, not kind of they did and and the reason is because of uh, the underlying hebrew instead of going to the latin for that but then also i mean it's helpful because now that we've done uh, the research on that particular topic we had a question here not too long ago on the question and uh, question and answer episode uh, which was uh, uh it was episode 98 here season 4 episode three and one of the questions that came in was about uh morning star lucifer and uh, so having that in the back pocket helped to answer another question so uh yeah and, and you know uh, picking a featured creature a favorite feature, featured creature you know that was that was tough i went through the list uh, of all the ones that we've covered and there's so many good ones um Michael the Archangel was uh was a big one that uh we could have covered. Uh cherubim Seraphim. Um and then uh maybe some of the more obscure ones like uh like Lilith um or um uh what was what was the other? There's there were several that were
1: Here's the I got a list. Yeah. I, I that it might be interesting to to run through the list. Um we did Lilith. We did uh, Goat Demon Donkey Centaur. <laughs> <Not here. laughs> <laughs> we did Azazel, we did Dagon, we did Aluka, uh, we did... Aluka, uh, that's, yeah. Aluka, yeah, hat tip to the uh, Swedish uh, orchestral metal band, right? And so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did uh, Seraph, Seraphim, uh, Karuv, Karuvim, uh we did Rephaim, we did Reshef, uh, Michael the Archangel, Ketev. Lucifer, Dever, uh, Mott slash uh, Thanatos, Mott the Hebrew, Thanatos Greek. Uh, we did Archangel Gabriel. We did Jackal. Uh, we did Watchers. We did the angel Raphael. And we did uh, one on Dragon, the term Dragon.
0: Each one of those, I mean, uh, well, uh, all of those collected. I mean, that we got a book right there, don't we? I mean...
1: Yeah, at least a at least a little pamphlet, right? That would be pretty interesting. Um, I mean, technically, they already have books on these. Uh, it's it's called the uh, Dictionary yeah. of Deities and Demons in the Bible. That. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of the. But those are those get kind of technical, and they're like a little lengthy, right? And, and so most people don't need um, like the full in depth thing. Uh, it would be kind of interesting just to see the just the quick summaries that you and I did. And we, when we say quick, like, it is quick. Like, for Nick to summarize it in five minutes, and then for me to summarize it in five minutes, like, that is quick. Like, if you go through and you read the entries and all of these reference works and things, it's like, that's not five minutes. It's like an hour. <laughs> Maybe two hours. And so, uh, and then, you know, of course, you know, one one trail of study leads to another trail of study leads to another trail of study. But it is fun to reference back to these in our Song of Solomon episode that we just did last week, right? I was able to reference back to Lilith because uh, mm-hmm. we had covered Lilith, and Lilith shows up in the Song of Songs. Um, yeah, and that was you know wouldn't have caught that before, and so that's kind of the fun fun part of it is you you catch new things built upon old things that you discovered, and you just keep building that uh, network of of information, and hopefully nice we're able to reference. Yeah, that's right, and yeah. hopefully we're able to bring that picture of that network of. Uh, information to the podcast and that's our goal is to do it in a way that's uh, effective and clear so that this is a is a useful resource a useful tool for you in your own study um, and the different interests you have in uh, biblical topics yeah we have a uh, I was going through the list right I keep a document just of all the things we've covered so New Testament right we've covered 14 epistles from the New Testament. And so, how many books are there in New Testament? Twenty-seven. We've already covered over half, right? Yeah. So fourteen, right? Um, Old Testament uh, in the history section. You know, we covered Ruth in the wisdom literature section. We covered Song of Solomon that was last week. In the Minor Prophets, though, we've covered these the most. We've covered eight out of the twelve Minor Prophets, so almost done there. That that could be a book. Like there aren't a whole lot of really great books on the Minor Prophets, in my opinion. Uh, so I think that would be pretty interesting. Um, and as far as uh, ex- exilic writings or time of exile, we do we have Esther, right? And so we've done 11, 11 books from the Old Testament. And you know what? You know what you don't find commentaries on? The Apocrypha. You don't find commentaries on the Apocrypha too often. Uh, and so what do we do? We do commentary on the Apocrypha. We've done seven books of the Apocrypha so far. We did Tobit, Judith, Greek Esther, Baruch, uh, Song of the Three Youths. Um, uh, Susanna, Bell and the Dragon and those were those three Use Susanna, Bell and Dragon, that was one episode because those were uh, in the book of Daniel and then we did Prayer of Manasseh and Psalm 151 so seven books of the Apocrypha and if that weren't enough we went ahead and did the Pseudepigrapha as well so we got Apocalypse of Zephaniah in there and we'll have some more with uh, some of our Solomonic episodes coming up Well, we also did inter- interviews right we've done two interviews with Jimmy Hinton uh, and we did an interview with uh, our good friend, Paul Harrington, about his mission work in Japan. Because he, he was there during the uh, the Fukushima, you know, tsunami, uh, nuclear reactor meltdown thing. So that was crazy. I remember when he was talking about, like, just seeing fire everywhere <laughs> from the yeah. gas lines breaking? It was crazy. Yeah. Um, we've done topics, right? We've done six different topic episodes. Bible study tools, Christmas uh, when the coronavirus first came out, right? Coronavirus in Christ is what we called it, the angel of Yahweh, uh, theosis, and a Q&A episode. And then we've done four after-hours episodes, right? One, two, three, four, uh, episode 73, 74, 81, 87. And those are always fun, right? Because they're not scripted. It's the opposite of what we normally do. So it has zero script, and we just bring up topics, and we throw it back to each other and, and and see what comes out of that sometimes interesting stories come out of that but you know we uh we we still have our jobs right so we were never can we were never canceled or fired for uh, after hours so that's good that's good um maybe that uh they just haven't been listened to yet but <laughs> <laughs> so we've covered a lot of territory we've covered a lot of territory and sometimes uh, in those different uh, realms that we dive into, uh, Nick and I are in hearty agreement, and sometimes we are not. And mm-hmm. that may lead to a, a little bit of sword play, right? That's so right. That's that's what it is. That's what we're here for. And uh, Nick, you picked out one of your favorite sword play exchanges.
0: Yeah. And- uh, Yeah, just like everything else, it's hard to narrow it down to just one. In fact, uh, just about every After Hours episode, we do have uh, a swordplay exchange that takes place. Um, And, you know, one thing that we have stressed all along the way, whenever we do uh, a swordplay exchange where we do disagree, um, is we, we disagree, but we still love one another and And I think there's there's got to be room for that. Um, we don't you don't get to hundred episodes and, and, and disagree on certain things, some even very big things uh, without loving one another and so uh, we we do the sword play exchanges out of a place of uh, love uh, out of a a, re- a place of uh, respect uh, for uh, the, the study that we've uh, brought to the table, uh, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, Alex is wrong, and I'm always right. So <laughs> that's just the way it goes. That's the running joke, by the way. Every time we, <laughs> every time we we talk about this, if if Alex is talking about it, the the slam, of course, is on me. I'm wrong, and he's always right. And if I'm the one telling it, it just so happens I'm the one telling it this time, and so Alex is wrong all the time. That's right. But um, but no, we. We recognize uh, different perspectives. And so, again, how do you will it down? There have been a lot of good exchanges uh, in, in different episodes. Well, I think there was one exchange back in episode 82.
1: Season 3, where, season three, episode 19.
0: Yeah, where, where the, uh, the question was about suffering, and that led to uh, a swordplay exchange. And what I think it, it brought out was the, the differing perspectives uh, and the, the, different, the different ways that uh, Alex and I approach uh, the text. And so uh, that's this best swordplay exchange.
1: Yeah, and I'll just second that. You know, you make it to 100 episodes with somebody you don't always agree with, I think, uh, because we have fun with it, right? It's, uh, there's some play that goes along with it. Um, This is the game that Nick and I play, right? Uh, It doesn't mean that it's not serious, right? uh, Basketball is just a game, but you have people who take it very seriously and they put a lot of effort into it and a lot of money into it and they they devote their careers and lives to it. Uh, So this uh, game that we call biblical interpretation, like this is our game. Uh, We take it very seriously. It's our career, Uh, but we also have fun with it, right? We are able to, to laugh. We are able to... To joke around with each other, and I think uh, that is what uh, keeps the keep keeps the show rolling, right? That's what keeps people in disagreement still uh, in an engagement, right? In engagement and conversation with one another, and so yeah, it's important to it's important to find that game that people like, and then you know play it with them, and uh, you know for Nick and I, it's that. Uh, biblical interpretation game but uh for for other people it might be uh something something totally different but if you learn what other people's games are and you play with them a little bit I bet they'll learn what your game is and play with you a little bit so just a little note on maybe um on how to get along with one another so <laughs> but of course that's uh, uh redundant right because we we always get along with each other in the church right churches don't split they don't uh they don't they don't hurt each other they don't Uh, they don't do, they don't do sinful things. It's so, so anyway, yeah. Okay. So here is the sword play exchange from, um, episode we did on first Peter chapter four. So verse 19, I think this is our last question for the podcast today before we get to our featured creature. And it's a doozy. And so verse 19 mentions, Uh, Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. So, Nick, is suffering a part of God's will, and if so, how?
0: Yeah, so uh, the ones suffering according to or by the will of God are the same ones who are called upon to entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Those, Those are Christians. These are Christians, and why are they suffering? Well, it is according to the will of God. These are Christians who suffer because it is what God has willed. And while at first blush, that may seem harsh, it's actually intended to bolster faith. The duration, the intensity of the suffering, that's all under God's sovereign control. What Christians suffer is for their good because it is according to the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Now, context, I believe, also helps bring this out. Suffering according to God's will means to share in Christ's sufferings, as we saw in verse 13. It is to be insulted for the name of Christ, verse 14. It is to glorify God by suffering as a Christian, verse 16. God's will is not that we suffer as an evildoer, as we saw in verse 15. Christ's suffering in the flesh is the model for Christian suffering. Just as Christ suffered according to the will of his Father, so Christians suffer according to the will of our faithful Creator. Nothing happened to Christ apart from the Father's sovereignty and love. This means that nothing befalls us happens independent of God's sovereignty and love. He is in control of everything, and any suffering that we endure is not the result of an uncaring, an indifferent indifferent universe, randomly selecting us for pain. Our suffering is not accidental. It is not the result of dumb luck. Suffering is not purposeless, but purposeful. It is not meaningless. It is meaningful. Our suffering is under the watchful and loving eye of sovereign God. Then, what about suffering? and evil generally among all people, or as Peter styles them, those who do not obey the gospel, the ungodly and the sinner, as he again describes them in four seventeen 17 and 18. How does God's will factor into the suffering of sinners? Old Testament and New Testament affirm the universal governance of God over the affairs of humans, both those who pledge allegiance to him and those who rebel against his will. Yahweh rules over all. He rules over everything. Psalm 47 and verse 2 uh, describes Yahweh as a great king over all the earth. Psalm 103 and verse 19, Yahweh established his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. First Timothy 1, verse 17, he is the king eternal. And since Yahweh is the sovereign ruler over everything and everyone, he does according to his will among the host of heaven And among the inhabitants of earth, as we're told in Daniel 4 and verse 35. Our God is in heaven. He does all that he pleases. Psalm 115 and verse 3. Whatever Yahweh pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all all deeps. Uh, Psalm 135 and verse 6. Yahweh declares the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done. So he says... My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Therefore, the counsel of Yahweh stands forever. The plans of his hearts to all generation. Psalm 33 and verse 11. This is in stark contrast with the counsel of the nations and the plans of people, which Yahweh brings to nothing and frustrates. As, he says, as it says in Psalm 33, verse 10. Therefore, whatsoever happens in this world happens because of the counsel, purpose, and plan of King Yahweh. And therefore I say that God wills whatsoever comes to pass so that anything that takes place in time actually has meaning. Otherwise we are left with well, completely meaningless activity taking place, including suffering for being a Christian. Uh, so my take on it, Alex, Alex, your turn. What about this business of suffering? Is it according to the will of God or not?
1: Yeah, so Nick and I see very differently on this issue. If you haven't noticed by now, mm-hmm. I do not hold to a Calvinistic view on suffering and evil, where all of the suffering and evil is under the complete and total planning and control of God. I do not hold that view. I do affirm that God does what he wills. But I also affirm that other intelligent beings, like ourselves, do not always do what God wills. Thus, evil enters into the world. I view Peter's statement here in view of the parable of the wheat and the tares. That's in Matthew 13. The wheat are the sons of the kingdom, sown by the Son of Man. But the tares are the sons of the evil one, sown by the devil. At the harvest, the wheat will be separated from the tares, which will be done by the angels at the end of the age. God does not will for evil to occur or for evil doers to exist forever. So why does God wait then for the separation? Because tares look like wheat, and he doesn't want the wheat to be damaged. Until we accept the gospel of Christ, we look like tares. But then upon salvation and upon our testing on earth, it will be shown that we are actually wheat. God does not know who all will be saved. That's why he patiently waits for more to repent. At Second Peter chapter 3. Our suffering here and now is the byproduct of our own sin and the sin of others, and it is God's will that we endure in this environment where suffering naturally takes place until it is shown who we really are after we pass through the fiery trials of our spiritual exile. The specific evil that you suffer was not planned out by God, but that doesn't make it meaningless. It is given meaning by our faithful endurance and desire to save others.
0: So if I'm hearing you right, we give suffering meaning. By our faithful obedience? Yes. It's not God that gives it meaning, right?
1: He works through us so that we can faithfully endure.
0: So what do you do with this phrase here then, the ones suffering according
1: to the will of God? What does that phrase even mean then? It's God's will that we endure in this environment called the earth, and that environment contains suffering. Because of people's choices to sin.
0: But that's not what Peter says though, right? I mean it's the suffering that is according to the will of God.
1: No, it's holy it's holy uh, in harmony with what Peter says. It is according to the will of God
0: that these are the ones suffering. I'm just, okay, well. The same ones who are to entrust themselves to the faithful creator are the ones who are suffering, and it is according to the will of God.
1: Yep. Okay, say it again. You and I (laughs) have very... (laughs) You and I have very different glasses when we're reading this passage, don't we? This is a worldview thing. That's why I said, to view all suffering as completely planned out written in the script by god every specific pain that's a very calvinistic view of suffering i don't hold that view that's a world view that's a lens that those are special glasses those are filters that you view the text through i don't that's, hold that
0: and look you're an open theist i get it i'm i'm asking the the, the text says that the ones who
1: are suffering they are suffering according to the will of God. Yep, because it's God's will for the wheat to exist with the tares until the end of the age that naturally produces suffering because of the sins of other people. It's God's will for us to exist in this environment where suffering does take place until the end of the age, but it is not God's will for every single specific suffering that has taken place. He didn't write that out ahead of time and said, I want that to be what this person undergoes. That is not what this says.
0: So there's a parallel to this back in 317. It's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's... And, and, okay, so literally what it says is, if the will of God may will, that you suffer for doing good rather than for evil. That suffering for doing good would be... if, if, if If it's God's will that he will that, that suffering for doing good would be according to
1: the will of God, right? Yep. When the Christian lives like a Christian, it has natural repercussions in a world full of unbelievers and evil people. And so it is God's will for us to still be Christians, to still live like Christians, even when the results of that is suffering. But that's not what he
0: says, Alex. It's you're, you're, it you're playing. You're playing fast and loose with the text, and you're, 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 your 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 is manifest in this.
1: Okay, thanks for the ad hominem.
0: You are reading into it, though. What's not
1: there? I don't think I am. Okay.
0: Hey, what's our featured creature?
1: <laughs> All right. Swordplay, swordplay classic. There's a swordplay classic exchange there, and of course, you know that exchange has its overtones that carry itself through many episodes. Many episodes. Side it has sidetracked us more than once. <laughs> <laughs> every every five to ten episodes, there's a twenty twenty minute uh, swordplay excursion into the. Um, into the whole uh, sovereignty, free will debate. But, you know, that is swordplay. That's what we signed up for. That's what our listeners have come to expect. But at the end of the day, uh, we press forward. uh, We're respectful to each other's views, right? We let each other say our piece, we push back, and we move on. So that's how that's how this has worked. I think it works well. What do you think, Nick? My uh, any any thoughts on that particular exchange or any of our other exchanges? <laughs> oh, I've got a lot of thoughts about. It. What you, I, so, you want to redo the swordplay, don't you? You want to redo well, what the I, you want to here, do the here's, exchange.
0: <laughs> here's what I hear. Maybe I'm wrong, but here's what I hear: is
1: oh, we are going to do it. Okay.
0: I. <laughs> so when the word the, the the word that stood out was worldview there, and what I hear is uh, on the one hand you you have brought this lens you've imported this lens whereby you read uh this particular text here uh, um and and specifically i mean even if we want to say it it's a it's a biblical lens Matthew 13 is a different context than 1 Peter chapter 4, and you've imported that context and read it into this particular context. That's, that's one issue. The other issue is, I think you, again, this is what I hear, is you, you do have the lens of your uh, particular theological view that you have brought to the text, and now you're reading the text of Scripture through that lens. Whereas what I sought to do is to pull from the text what the text says. There's nothing, there's nothing in, in either 1 Peter 4.19 or 3.17 where Peter talks about, you know, environment or atmosphere or, or world. He's talking specifically about the suffering. And so you pull from what the text says in order to build the lens, and then I built out from there. With the uh, the various verses uh, from elsewhere in Scripture, so so when you know, I when I pick this this particular uh, nearly eleven minute segment as the best swordplay exchange, that's the reason why is because I think it demonstrates uh, the 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 different approaches that we are taking to uh, the Scripture from my perspective. You you probably disagree with that.
1: Yeah. So. This idea that we come to the text like neutral, and then we're just building out of the text our lens by which to view and interpret uh, the text itself and other biblical text, I think that's actually a myth. I think that doesn't exist. I don't think anybody can come to the text like that. I don't think anybody comes to the text neutral. Everybody comes to the text with presuppositions, and so I think that there are lenses already in place before you read the text, and that Uh, lens can be adjusted based on what you find in the text but it's still there there's no like zero lens now i'm exegeting the text now i have my lens that that doesn't happen that's that's a i think a myth and so i think there are things why uh you can depending on what you already believe you could come through hear what you're saying hear what I'm saying and agree one way or the other with you or with me. But it's, I think it's based on the, the presupposition of what is already accepted as true before listening to to either one of us. Now it could be that somebody could go and change their lens based on what they hear. But <clears throat> yeah, there is, there is no, I'm innocent and neutral and I'm just like completely building my, my worldview or my lens Based off of just what this passage says, but yeah, and then the the pushback on the Matthew thirteen thing is, uh, I think it's a perfectly good cross reference uh, to to say that there there are these ideas here in the biblical text, and those ideas are still allowed to be in the mind when you go to other biblical texts, and so that's so that's the pushback you, on there.
0: You just said something very interesting about a person can change their lens based on what they hear hear where.
1: From, from when they're listening to one of us talk about the text.
0: I think, again, and that's the fundamental difference, what they hear ought to be pulled from the text. I think, again, from the scriptures, you pull from—you can take what it says. You can pull what—there is an exegetical method, and you pull from the text, and then, yeah, the lens can change.
1: Right, but, uh, but the, there's already a lens in place before you pull from the text.
0: Which scripture is intended— to correct, it's intended to change, to borrow uh, the the language that you just used. That's what ought to be the norming norm for our lens, our worldview, however you want to say that.
1: Yeah, but I'm just saying the lens is already there before you get to the text. Like your lens is, is being built like from the time of birth forward. And so before you read one verse of scripture, you already have a lens that you're bringing to it. And so, uh, yeah, that lens can change over time, but, uh, part of that change is not just the text. Uh, like you're not going to be locked into a room by yourself, uh, when you very first open a Bible and like, that's where you stay for the rest of your life. And so you only have yourself in the Bible and that's it. That's not how, uh, it works in real life. In real life, people hear what other people believe. And so they're hearing what they have taken from the text, but what they have taken from the text is also based on the lens that they brought to the text. And so there is, uh, I think, a legitimate reason to swordplay because there is a correcting action that can take place through dialogue. Um, And there are different, I think, sound exegetical methods which can guide you in that process, but it doesn't mean that uh, Nick is coming to Peter with this clean, neutral outlook and he's coming out with only the lens that was intended by peter for us to have that's that's not happening
0: there we go different different approach <laughs> and that's why i picked that text or that uh, that exchange
1: yeah well what do we think about what do we think about the future of sword play so we've hit 100 uh nick what do you think what are some of your goals for the future of the podcast?
0: Uh, did, uh, did we want to do favorite, uh, chapter or subject that we researched?
1: Oh yeah, we can do that first. <laughs> okay. Well, looking back then over all the 100 episodes, uh, do you have a favorite episode or a favorite chapter, uh, that we covered or a favorite topic that we covered or something that was your favorite to like dive in and research? You're just like, oh man, this was way better than I thought it was going to be.
0: <laughs> My favorite Chapter, or subject, is the one I'm currently studying.
1: (laughs) Whatever Uh, it is, yeah.
0: There's, there's, there's my answer.
1: That's not memory lane. (laughs) That's not memory lane.
0: Well, at one time, all of these were my favorite, right? That's that's uh, that's
1: that's the first question. That's what you're looking forward to. The goal is to enjoy the whatever you're studying next.
0: (laughs) That's it. That's it. I, I mean, it's it's tough to pick one. I mean, that's. Uh, I guess that's been the the common refrain the familiar refrain all throughout this is it's hard to pick just one chapter or one subject that uh i mean it was just I, I can point put my finger on that and say that was it um there's there's certain things that stand out to me um like when we did um when we did um in uh, first peter chapter three. Uh, when we talked about the, he descended to the dead or he descended into hell,
1: the Harrowing uh, of Hades episode.
0: That was that's what I was
1: that's what I was gonna pick. I was gonna say well, I was like that was that was one of the most enjoyable ones. For we
0: put a, we put a lot of effort into that. <laughs> I think um, I read uh, two different books. Just one was just on that one verse, and then the other was on the, the specific Ooh. doctrine of uh, he descended to the dead from an evangelical perspective. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, that was a deep dive. <laughs> that was a deep dive that we did. And a lot of, a lot of our memories coming from first Peter. And so, uh, yeah, that was, that was, a that was one that stood out. Theosis is another one that stands out.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you turned in our notes on our, our podcast notes on theosis into, uh, one of your, uh, master's classes and, and got an a right
0: (laughs) that is yeah um i i wrote a uh research paper on uh the the doctrine of theosis for what was one of my theology cognate courses for my mdiv and uh and yeah i got got an a on it um so the 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 research that we do bears dividends elsewhere as we've been talking about so uh Preaching, teaching I think deepens and uh so yeah, hard to put my finger on just one.
1: Yep. I-, I was gonna go to the same one. Yeah, I think my favorite subject to that we've uh studied that was my favorite to dive into was the harrowing of Hades. Yeah, and just um I enjoyed especially the uh the large readings I did through uh major portions of the early church fathers uh, man, that was, that was super interesting. In fact, that's sort of, uh, sparked this interest of mine to pursue more studies on patristics in the future. Uh, there's a, uh, uh, an association in Minnesota is called the Minnesota association for patristic studies. And so, um, they didn't have meetings during the pandemic, but they're going to start back up now. And so I'm looking more into that and, and just as a resource to go and hear some interesting lectures, participate in, in, in some research. And so, uh, yeah, man, patristic studies, super interesting. Um, but yeah, that's, that was something that stood out to me as well. Um, yeah. Any other, any other favorites, any, any, uh, favorite, um, after hours moment, <laughs>
0: Yeah, so the one that stands out to me, and I guess I should have anticipated it in the after hours, was after the last presidential election, and it kind of threw me for a curve, but again, I should have anticipated it, knowing where you're coming from, because one of the things you said was, well, no, uh, that the current president is not necessarily the guy that God wants in power, and I was like, whoa, uh, (laughs) wait a minute, but... Uh, and then that led to its own, you know, a little swordplay exploration as we went through, uh, I think we, where'd we start? I mean, maybe Genesis 50, and then we, we, I know we, we landed in Romans, uh, 13 at some point. Um, maybe Daniel 2 got mixed in there too, if I remember right. So, but, uh, I forget which one that, that was now. I think it was maybe the latest, the, the, or no, maybe it was before that, 3.1 maybe. Um, and so that, yeah, that tipped off the sovereignty, free will discussion and, uh, at that point. But uh, So there's that one. And then after our episode three, which never went to air, <laughs> that was a fun one. <laughs> uh, fun for me, I guess. You, I think you sweated it out a little bit there. but uh, We talked a- about all kinds of stuff in that one.
1: Not really. We really only talked about one thing. It was, was the sure. it was the sovereignty free will debate again, and it was like an hour, and uh, it wasn't like a, a tossing back and forth of like friendly topics. It was. Uh, I felt like it was you, uh, wanting to to just grill me on only that one topic, and so. Yeah. So I I listened back to it and I was just like this is not fun this is not enjoyable this is not interesting I was like this is not what after hours is supposed to be I was like you know if we if we want to do a, a whole episode d- dedicated to sovereignty free will and have that debate then like we should do it you know we should we should put the title up there we should make our notes we should uh whatever you know but uh but uh, yeah that that was uh that was junk <laughs> <laughs> We also
0: talked about in that episode though uh, the The Dead Sea Scrolls and specifically Deuteronomy thirty two, well, like verse seven or eight, whichever one it is. That we talked about that in that episode too. I remember that because uh, uh, yeah. yeah, that was that was another bit of that. But
1: well, what are you back to the previous question then? What are your goals for the future of the podcast?
0: So a little inside baseball here. Uh, we're currently utilizing Zoom technology for this episode so that we could play these uh particular bits from previous episodes so that we can both hear it and laugh along or comment or whatever um, and so this is uh it can be at least a bit of a game changer cuz we have uh video capabilities uh we've talked in the past about uh a YouTube channel a swordplay YouTube channel but that uh that that hasn't come to fruition yet but I could see how maybe something like this uh, could lend itself to uh, something like that. Uh, so, and, I mean, this this not only... So we did memory lane for, for these recordings, but I think this opens up other avenues for, um, you know, kind of scholarly critique of other uh, uh, things that we hear or things that we see um, where we we can plug in the, the audio and then listen to it and then comment on it. Uh, so this, yeah, this is a bit of a game changer here uh, as far as the future goals. I still envision we're we're still going to tackle uh, scriptures chapter at a time, but, uh, you know, maybe, I don't even know what we'd call that because it's not necessarily after hours, but it is just kind of a...
1: Just um, my following topics, maybe?
0: Yeah, something. we We'll... We Think of we'll put our creative caps on and come up with some kind of clever yeah. whatever for it. But um, but yeah, I think I think that's that's a possibility in addition to the work that we're already doing. Um, we're currently in the Solomon series. We're going to tackle that uh, in chunks with uh, the different books: Song of Solomon, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. But then uh, uh, after that, we we have kind of an open slate, and we'll we'll keep doing uh, chapter at a time, uh, unpacking. Text and yeah, I anticipate you know more more swordplay exchanges. So
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah, I hope that um, eventually we'll have covered uh, just most of the books in the Bible, right? Um, and we're kind of working our way backwards from the smallest books to the largest books, and so there will come a point eventually where. You know, one book will would, would take a whole season if we were to do chapter by chapter. And it may be that it's worthy of that, right? Uh, the Gospels, for sure. But, um, yeah, it uh, whether we end up doing that or not, I don't know. But if we see, uh, you know, the show continuing to, to progress, you, my goal would be definitely at least to have all of the books other than, like, the major ones, like, done, right? In the archives, ready to go. Uh, we're gonna uh, finish. You know, I think the Minor Prophets for sure. Uh, I think eventually we'll finish all the Epistles for sure. There are there are a few long ones though. You know, Corinthians, Hebrews, Romans. Um, I think we'll, um, I think we'll finish the Apocrypha for sure. Um, and some of those Old Testament books. You know, who who knows how soon we'll get to those or if we'll get to those because, uh, a lot of those are pretty long. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one that I, one that I, you know, I'm always interested in is Genesis. Genesis is always super interesting every time I go through it. So it's another good one. We're going through the book of Acts and church here on Sundays. So, you know, maybe we'll cover that eventually in the podcast. So there's, there's lots of room in the podcast for, um, many episodes to come, like if we wanted to, if we wanted to do a chapter at, for the whole Bible and not cover like large chunks, large, uh, like we did, you know, last week, we covered a whole book, eight chapters, one, one episode. Um, if we were to do for the most part chapter by chapter, man, we, we got 20 years worth of, uh, <laughs> worth of podcast ahead of us.
0: And that's, that's assuming we did it every week. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. You look back here, or I was looking back here recently, and just because of, you know, uh, sickness and vacation and stuff like that, like, we, we, we didn't have any episodes. We had one episode in January, um, but none in, like, November or October. Um, but, that, I mean, that, you know, there was, there was reason for that. But Yeah. Um, but, yeah, assuming we hit every single week. For 20 years, yeah, we could cover every chapter, but that's a steep climb.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. It's
0: a steep climb.
1: So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But one thing, um, based on what we're doing right now with the series on Solomon, is that we want to hear what the audience is interested in. So we're happy to uh, put certain books to the top of the list if that's what the audience wants. So uh, go ahead and send in your request for topics, books, studies, that you want to hear about, um, into the, to the email swordplaypodcast at gmail.com or into the text, uh, swordplay line. It's uh three, one, six, 24 sword. And, um, yeah. And also I did announce that we were going to today give away some, uh, free swordplay swagger. So we're going to start off with a uh, swordplay coffee mug, swordplay coffee mug. And so, uh, you like coffee, you like tea, how would you like to drink your coffee or tea out of a mug with your favorite podcast logo, right? It's going to say sword play on it. It's going to come from us. It'll be a limited set run. So uh, the winners of those mugs are uh, everybody who left a review on Apple iTunes.
0: Yay! Uh, So Apple
1: Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. So uh, let's see, uh, Michael93442, you got a mug coming your way. Real Peep, you got a mug coming your way. Aldrin Buzz124, you got a mug coming your way. Tara E in recovery, you got a mug coming your way. All you gotta do is send us your address, because I don't know where you live. So send your address, uh, your name and address to the, the email, swordplaypodcast at gmail.com. And if you do, you have some sweet swordplay swagger coming your way, swordplay coffee mug, uh, let us know. We'd love to send you one. Well, any other final thoughts here, Nick, as we wrap up the episode, the 100th celebration?
0: Congratulations, all those who uh, won the uh, sword play raffle there. Get the swag coming your way. Um, now, I think we've uh, pretty well upholstered the subjects. This...
1: Let's give ourselves a pat on the back. Success. Yeah. Pat on the episodes. back. There are certain phrases we do uh, we have used a lot through all four seasons uh, that would be pretty funny to put on a t-shirt, right? So we should have a swordplay t-shirt that says, well upholstered.
0: Well upholstered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. Well upholstered subject, swordplay. <laughs> That'd be cool. Anybody have any good ideas for t-shirts? Send it our way. Let us know. no oh, We'll print it out, run you run a copy. Well, that's all I can think of, Nick. Uh, 100 episodes, here's to 100 more. Uh, so, yeah, that's it.
0: So, uh, we're again, as Alex said, if you want to send in feedback, you have questions, you can text those in to area code 316-24-SWORD, area code 316-247-9673. We're all over on all the various streaming platforms as well. Uh, this episode probably won't be on Spotify, but, you know, we, we fly <laughs> pretty low under the radar, so probably it's nice will to stay there. Not quite
1: the reach of Joe Rogan over here.
0: That's, that's right. That's right. Uh, but uh, Spotify, podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Audible, which is Amazon streaming service, uh, Google uh, Music as well. All those major streaming platforms, or you can find us on the internet on the swordplay.cast.rocks website. Uh, Again, you can text your question in or you can send it via email. Alex gave the address, uh, the email address earlier, and it is
1: swordplaypodcast at gmail.com, swordplaypodcast at gmail.com. This has been the 100th swordplay episode celebration thanks for taking a walk down memory lane with us diligent listener that'd be another good t-shirt diligent listener just (laughs) says diligent listener on the t-shirt and then has the swordplay logo on it actually that sounds really dope i'm gonna make that one okay (laughs) thank you diligent listener for hanging in there with us for the 100th episode celebration this has been another episode of swordplay your double-edged perspective on scripture